everybody. I'm Brent Stone. Welcome to the Changed Podcast. I have an exciting episode today because my friend JJ is here with us and he is the pastor of Full Circle Church, church that uh, he has recently started here. And I'm going to let him share more about that here in a second. But uh, JJ is a good friend of mine and we've had the opportunity to get to know each other here over the last couple of years. And he's got an incredible transformation story. And with that, I'm going to kick it over to JJ for him to be able to share um, the moment that Christ came into his life and just totally changed him. And then we'll we'll take it from there. But I'm turning it over to you now. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say thank you, Brent, for having me on this podcast. Um, I think what you're doing is amazing. And just having a, a front row seat to the transformation that's taken place in your life over even just the last year. Um, has been amazing and, and the shift that you've you've uh, you've done in the kingdom from I, I just think back from mostly business oriented mindset to now it's all about the kingdom like it just it, it just brings joy to my soul and I know it brings joy to the father's soul to see you uh, putting something like this out for people to relate to and to hear stories of redemption and transformation that will change that not only change our lives, but could have the possibility to change others as well. So thank you for providing a space um, for people to talk about their transformation. It's amazing. So thank hey, you. Thanks for that. Hey, yeah, Revelations twelve eleven. We just we just talked about this. Yeah. You know, Jesus did half the work by by you know dying on the cross for our, for our sins and just basically going, you know, descending into hell and yeah. taking care of the fight once and for all. And then now we just have to share our testimony, right? That's right. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, right? Just share yeah. your encounter with God. Um, that's what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just give you a little backstory about my life, who I am, um, my upbringing, uh, to bring some context to my story a little bit. Yes. Um, I grew up here in the Shenandoah Valley, uh, went to Spotswood High School, grew up in a loving family. We weren't really a church going family. We were priesters. We went to church on Christmas and Easter. Um, and part of the reason we did that was because uh, my grandfather was a, a, a preacher um, up in Maryland. He, he pastored a church up there and we would visit him on Christmas and Easter. That, that was our rhythm growing up. Um, that's, I, I heard the gospel a lot growing up, um, coming from a, a family, a, a Christian family. My dad was raised in the church and uh, kind of ran from that. But um, so I, I heard the gospel a lot. Um, over the course of my life. Um, but there's, you know, a, a specific time where it really resonated with me. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But I grew up in the area. I went to Spotswood High School. Uh, towards the end of my senior year in, in high school, I um, started running around with the, the wrong crowd and uh, doing things that um, shouldn't have been doing. I started, you know, um, dabbling in alcohol, um, partying, um, drugs, marijuana, mostly at that point. But you know, just trying to fill void in my life and, and bring happiness to my life and ran around with the wrong crew. Um, and that turned into a uh, four-year addiction to methamphetamines um, from 2001 to 2005, um, where I was a functioning addict. Um, I held a, held a job. I was able to work, um, but I also spent a lot of time and money on drugs and alcohol. And over those years, uh, just, you know, there was always a void in my heart. Like I was chasing something. I was chasing something to fill my heart. And at that time it was drugs and alcohol. And then, um, 
I wasn't looking for God, wasn't seeking God, wasn't searching for God, wasn't crying out to God, wasn't looking for change, wasn't looking like, but looking back now, like he was looking for me, like he was was in pursuit of me. And um, 2005, um, my my best friend and roommate um, had a a tragic, a tragedy happen in his family where his, um, his stepdad that pretty much raised him had a heart attack and passed away. And I was like, you know, he was devastated and his family was devastated. I was close to his family and we, you know, we were really good friends. I was close to the whole family and they were all just devastated. Um, by that time, my dad had uh, answered a call of ministry in his life in 1997. So eight years prior, he had uh, gotten into ministry and uh, became a preacher, a pastor. And um, I was like, well, my dad's a pastor. Let's, let's call him. Like, I'm sure he have some words of comfort, you know, I think yeah. it's somewhere in the Bible where like God blesses people if they're in, in, in grief. So I called my dad and he, he came over to um, my friend's mom's house. And that night he shared the gospel with all of us. And I heard it like it, I wasn't looking for it. I, I wasn't the one that was suffering. Yeah. You know? I wasn't the one that was going through the hardship, but God saw an opportunity and he, like when he sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. And he did that night. And I heard the gospel that night and it changed my life. And, um, I accepted, we all, the whole, everybody that was there accepted Christ that night. And, uh, my good friend and I both were delivered from our, a, a meth addiction immediately in that night. Amazing. My, my father prayed for us and we were delivered of the addiction immediately. Now, looking back, like we were delivered from that hard, the hard drug addiction, but there was, yeah. st- and there was still room for discipleship and growth. And I, I'm still a human. Like some people have, sure. some people get to experience this transformative, like God, you know, moves in their heart and they're delivered from everything. Boom. And they're just on fire for Jesus and they're running forward the whole time. That wasn't my story. Um, I got delivered from meth, but I still smoked marijuana and I still drank and I still sure. went to parties and, you know, and, yeah. and I'm thankful, thankful, very, very thankful that I had a very patient father, a very patient for everybody. It's not going to be your father, but somebody very patient that you can be honest with and, and be, be vulnerable and transparent. And I was very honest with my dad during those, those first few formative years of my Christian walk, like very honest, like, Hey, I'm, uh, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm struggling with this. I know I'm not supposed to be doing it. I know that it's not pleasing to God, but I can't shake it. And, you know, over those formative years, like it was, a, it was a um, redemption process. It was just a process of just continually asking God to show up, continually asking God, I need you continually being in that desperate place of, I know that I don't need this. I know that you don't want me to be bound by this. Take it from me. And eventually yeah. the process came to fruition and he delivered me from everything and um, set me completely free. Um, that was in 2005 to 2006-ish. Um, but so over a year, it took me a year to like really settle into who I was as a child of God. Um, then I met my wife um, 
in 2006, my soon-to-be wife, she was my wife then, she's my wife now, but I met her in 2006, and, you know, we were both in this, this season of giving our life to God and pursuing Him, and just to have a help, some, a friend, um, a friend to walk with you in, in, in growing in Christ is amazing, and she was that for me, my other friend was that for me, and we got married in 2007, and have been walking out this journey since then together and um it hasn't always been peaches and cream i'm I'm not going to sit here and say that it's been this amazing like no bumps in the road like smooth sailing the whole way there's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs but um when we're in our downs it's it's a good thing to know that we're not in our downs alone that christ is with us the whole time and so uh we've been married for 16 years we just celebrated 16 years in june um got four biological kids one foster child full house and full house baby full house we have a full house just living for the lord and like you said i um i'm pastoring full circle church here in harrisonburg virginia um we, we launched that almost a year ago october 1st will be our one-year celebration so it's been an amazing journey That's awesome of um really coming from prodigal status like the prodigal son status to like this. I haven't arrived anywhere. Like I'm still, I'm still a mess in progress. I'm still progressing in my relationship with God. I'm still getting transformed. Um, we'll never be fully transformed here on this earth. There's always going to be stuff in our heart that needs transformation from God. Um, yes. And as long as we're honest with that, like he, he will continue to, you know, prune these little things here and there, prune little things, anger, prune anger, prune bitterness, you know, prune lust, like these things that uh, we struggle with, uh, especially as men, prune our security, our identity, like prune uh, these things in our heart. So it's a it's a transformation process that's continuing from, it started on in February 2005, and it's TB, TBC, to be continued. It's, it's going to be a process that I'm going to walk through for the rest of my life here on earth. You know, you're talking about this, and it just brought to uh, light this book that I just finished here recently um, called The Prodigal Son by Henry Nowen, and it is so good. I think but... I read that. No, I, I read The Prodigal God book. Okay, I, I haven't read that. I have to check that out. Um, Henry, Henry, he's <clears throat> apparently he's like this world renowned. Um, I don't know if he's a doctor of psychology or something. He's he's got some awesome credentials, and and mm -hmm. he he's in the book explaining how he uh, eventually went over to Moscow where they hold the, the original print or the original painting of the prodigal son. And I want to say uh, it was a, I'm not going to sit here and quote the painter. Cause then I'm going to have people commenting that, you know, I don't know anything about art, which is true. I don't, <laughs> but it was one of the, you know, it's like a eight foot by four foot famous work. And if you, if you Google the book title, by Henry Nowen, the prodigal son by Henry, Henry Nowen, you see a, like, like a, the 90% of the, of the painting, but this is, it's a massive work. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that came out of this was just how, how much, like he explains, like when he was there in person, looking at this, he could just feel how the artist was almost communicating his own journey through each character of the three people represented in the, the, the picture with yeah. like him, him with God and coming back to him as the prodigal, but also being the, being the brother. And then also at some point in his life being the father. 
And it is just a incredible work. And I'm thinking about this and like the people that go through their life and their story and they're trying to basically just, am I even good enough to go back to, to the father God? Am I yeah. even like at a yeah. place where I can just, and the answer is yes. And he is so excited to take us back and it just illustrates it so clearly. And Henry does a phenomenal job of just breaking down every facet of this work. And, um, it was recommended to me by a good friend of mine, Merle <laughs> and uh, a good mutual friend of ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I love that. I, I just, yeah. I mean, I'd never really had that, um, that type of experience with my relationship with God because I wasn't looking for him. Like, yeah. I wasn't, like I wasn't questioning, was I good enough or not? Because I wasn't even looking like I wasn't searching for him. Um, sure. But he sees us and he's like, you are good enough, even though we don't, think we need to be, you know what I mean? Like we're in this place totally. either there's, there's two spectrums you can be in. Like you're either searching for God or you're not. And yeah, I wasn't, but he was searching for me. And that's um, beautiful. Just thinking back, like I'm so thankful that he sees every one of us and sees us as his children, no matter how far we stray away from him, no matter yeah. how distant, no matter how much distance we create between ourselves and the father, like he, always looks at us as his children and his love never changes. It never changes. No matter, we can shame him. We can mock him. We can disregard him and his love will be the same. Yeah. And we're called to we have that same great God. Love. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard yeah, to yeah. do. That's hard to do, but we are called to that. Yes. No, that's awesome. So, I'd love to get more. So we've got, you know, your, your in, encounter experience where, you know, you had this transformation, JJ, what about what's been the walk like since then? Like what have, what have you gotten into? What have, have you done to walk out that change? And obviously, you know, you're, you're living it now as a pastor, yeah. but you've, you've had a lot of, a lot oh, of yeah. things. Lots so of let's, stuff. I want to hear about of, that. Lots of stuff. So, um, I gave my heart to the Lord in 2005 and I remember, um, like I said, I was still struggling to like be this. I think a lot of times what we do as new believers and when we first give our heart to the Lord, um, we think that we need to get this, this, and this right before we can, you know, really settle into, let's just say a church or going sure. to, to a church. Like we need to. I got, I need to quit smoking dope. I need to quit drinking. I need to quit partying before I can go to church. And God's like, no, no, no. And he told, he told the, uh, the Pharisees that when he was having feast with Matthew and his, in, a, in the tax collectors, he said, the church isn't a place for well people. We're not gathering for well. Well, this is a place for the sick. Like, yeah. And it's a place to come and, and take refuge and get healing. And, um, my dad was able to walk me through that, that, heart process from the head to the heart, like, and truly understand that. And the more I found myself every time the church was open, I was there. Like I needed it. I needed the accountability. I needed to hear the word. I needed to know what the truth was. I needed to be around positive people. I needed that influence in my life. And it helped me um, break free from the bondage of Satan, the bondage of addiction. Um, for a long time, I um, I would relate myself as an addict, 
I'm an, I'm an addict. Like I would claim that as who I was. And that's not how God saw me. God, God saw me as a son who set free. And yeah. coming to the realization that who the son sets free is free indeed. It's a truth that I'll stand on for the rest of my life, no matter what I'm facing. Who the son is set free is free indeed. And that's free from everything that the enemy puts in our path. And I guess it was probably the summer, maybe the fall of the year that um, I gave my heart to the Lord in 2005. I remember we had this um, guest, guest preacher come into our church um, and he gave an altar call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I, I think I need that. And I remember it vividly, like I walked up to the altar, just cautiously expecting God to touch me and kind of skeptical of what was going to happen, what was going to happen. And he he poured himself and filled me with the spirit that day. And I'll never forget. It changed my life. It changed my perspective. It changed the way I heard the word. It changed the way I read the word. It changed the way I worshiped. It changed the way I acted. It changed the way I prayed. Um, yeah, it was, it made, like I, I remember it so vividly, like I walked out of that service and I felt physically, tangibly changed. That's awesome. from that point on, like the word started coming alive to me and it started being real to me. And I started seeing seeing things in the in the Bible as they were for me, not as they were for them back then. All scripture is given to us to show us what is right. Second Timothy three sixteen tells us all scripture is given for us to tell us what was right, to tell us what was wrong and to help us do the things that are right. All scripture from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between is for us to to, to test ourselves against the word and, and to um, meditate and, and to convict our hearts of what's what's wrong and what's right in our life. And from that moment on, like it was just like a machete chopping chopping things off pruning things off of my of my half dead and half live alive tree. That's awesome. I love that. That's so good. So I think what would be something that you would maybe just comment on? Maybe the, the, the fact that, you know, you weren't looking for, for God before your transformation, but obviously God was after you. I mean, I, For with mine, I I wasn't necessarily looking for God prior to twenty two thousand six. I was just kind of you know going about my my route my my route my you know my my schedule with my business conferences and these different things. And then I just went down one Sunday morning to an altar call. It was like I'm going to you know have Jesus become Lord of my life. And then I started down this progressionary path, and I was still living in sin and like like consciously like not like i was not trying to yeah. <laughs> not live in sin but i prayed the prayer and i was like oh well, i mean i'm saved and uh and there was just a lot of you know early on trying to figure out some of that stuff but that that thought process was kind of carried along is there anything there that you would use from your own story your own transformative journey from when you got saved to like encourage other people that might be hearing this. Maybe that was like me. Um, I think you were probably trying, trying to make more of an effort. It sounds like you were, you know, Hey, the church was open. I was there. That wasn't me. I, I, that, that wasn't how I looked at it, but then God, similar to yours, God was still coming after me with a vengeance. Like after I made that decision, there was some, it was almost like he was sending up like warning flares, but then 2017 was a pretty big one. 
because I got this recommendation to read the book Driven by Eternity from a guy that I really respected in in, in my line of work and in, in the business that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And it totally, uh, in a good way, instilled the fear of God into my heart to want to like actually, hey, I need to take an account for like this whole ends justify the means thought process here. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that's exactly going to cut it. And, um, and then I started really going after God and then he met me with such force. And, uh, anyway, that's, you know, I'll digress, but do you have anything for the listeners on, on that, that could be beneficial for them? Like that's similar to your story and. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's take it back like to the very beginning. You might be a listener that's not looking for God. Somebody might stumble on this podcast. They not they might not be looking for God, but they might be looking to be changed. There is only one way that I can guarantee that you can be changed in your life, and that's if you give your life to Christ. Yeah, it's guaranteed that your life's going to change once you give your life to Jesus. It might not be this drastic like shift that you're looking for, but your life will change, and it's a process. And uh, for some people, it's a process. And just look, thinking back, like. Everybody can relate to this. We know what's right and wrong. Yeah. Period. Like we know within us, we, we, we know what's right and wrong in our heart. We know that if we're doing something illegal, that's wrong. If we, if we didn't know it was wrong, we wouldn't hide when we do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? We wouldn't go to our yeah. fault. Like we would do it everywhere. Like if, if we yeah. didn't know the difference between right and wrong, we know the difference between right and wrong. And, my encouragement is when you know the difference, like do what's right, do what's yeah. right. I remember one time, like, this is a crazy story. One time after church, I went to my parents, our church was in Linville. Uh, my dad was pastoring it. They still lived in Elton at the time. We had church service, left church to go to their house for, um, for Sunday lunch after church. And I got high on the way. <laughs> Right after church, I got high on the way to my parents' house and I walked in my house and my dad said, my dad pulled me aside. He said, son, you're blatantly sinning in front of God. And it was that moment, it was in that moment that I had the revelation and the conviction. It's wrong. Yeah. I don't need it. It's not bringing, it's not bringing any, it's not bringing anything in my life that's going to excel me into what God is, is, is calling me to or excel me into, you know, a promotion at work. Like this, the things that we do that in secret that aren't right, hold us back. And uh, just recognizing and having the revelation, hey, this is wrong and it's holding me back was what I needed to hear. Um, Can you imagine that conversation with your father? (laughs) Man. But, but listen, that's tough. That's my earthly father. Yeah. Can you imagine what the Heavenly Father is thinking? Like just yeah. his heart is hurting for his people when they're yeah. when we're bound and we're for me it was drugs, like the thing that had me bound. It breaks our father's heart to see us bound by that stuff. It breaks our father's heart to see us bound by depression. It breaks his heart to see us bound by anxiety. It breaks his heart to see us bound by addiction. But like I said earlier, when, when we give our heart to Jesus and invite him in as the Lord of our life, not our Savior, because I think that's your what you did. 
You invited sure. me as your savior. Yeah. He saved. definitely wasn't Lord of my life. You could look at my calendar and you could very well see that he wasn't Lord of my life. <laughs> but when we make him Lord of our lives, that's yeah. when true transformation That's happens. good. That's really good. That's really good. I think that that's so well said because so many people and maybe in like closing here and I'll flip it back over to you for one more comment. It's like so many people, it's like, they'll go, they pray the prayer. And then it's like, you know what? I'm, I, I'm good. I don't need to change the way I'm living. You know, I have my little slice of Jesus over here. It fits right onto my, my, my lunch tray here. You know, I've got the way I've been living. I've got my career. I've got my family. I've got, you know, this other life that I live, my double life over here. Jesus will go on this little corner right up here and, you know, I'll go and get him when it's convenient. And, you know, I'll go do the whole, what is it? Cri- 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 the cri- Christmas and Easter. Cri- yeah, Easter. <laughs> And here's the thing. We're not making fun of that. I mean, I, that yeah. was, that was me for many years. You know yeah. what I mean? But what's interesting about it, what makes me laugh about it is because I almost fell victim to it. Cause it would have been so easy for me to drift into the rest of my life. Just having that same, whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm prioritizing these things cause they're obviously super important. Like my career, you know, I got to provide for my family. But what, what, what's really interesting is that when I made, Jesus actually Lord of my life. My family got better. My, yeah. <laughs> my career got better in a weird convoluted sort of way. Like there's a lot of things that got better when I made Jesus Lord of my life. And it didn't mean that life just got, you know, it got this big easy button from staples. That was easy, you know, and it, like everything just got better like that, but it was just the walk with him. But any comments on that? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this, like this, this scripture about Christmas. I probably said the sinner's prayer 15 times over my life Yeah, on Christmas and Easter. I raised my hand Yeah, totally. Christmas, on Christmas and Easter, <laughs> make my granddad happy. Like, hey, your grandson's getting saved. But in Matthew 7, it says this. And we're going to bring some scripture in because. Hey, let's do it. This is what we live by. This is the yep. truth. I did this is the truth, listeners. I didn't write it. I didn't make it up. But this is the living word of God that I abide by and it rules my life. Yes. It says this in Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will then I will declare them. I never knew you depart from me. Yeah. It, that says that's it all. I want to find myself. Exactly. I don't want to find myself on that side of the spectrum. And that's, that's where that, the, the fear of the Lord that you were talking about earlier, Brent comes in. Like not, I'm scared. That's one of the verses that John quotes in driven by eternity after the allegory, after the Affabel allegory, he quotes that verse amongst other ones, but he explains that what you just said. Yeah. It's not that we're scared of God. No, not at all. But we're in fear of his his um, revenge, like his. We're we're afraid to like, be away from him. We're yeah, afraid like, to be de- having to depart from him. It's just here, here's here's how I look at it too. Yeah, call me what you want, holy roller, stupid. Holy roller, I like that. Hashtag holy roller. Me, whatever you want to call me for people that you know have something against Christianity. Sure. But my view is this. Like I'm giving everything I have to the Lord. And if I'm wrong, if it's not true, what have I lost by living a life of good morals, good values, 
being positive and being a good influence. What have I lost? But if I don't, yeah. what have I lost? I've lost my, my place in heaven. Like, I don't want to, I, I believe with all my heart that what we're serving and the God that we're serving is real. There's no doubt in my mind is real. He's there's there's no doubt in my mind that it's real. Yeah, no doubt. But there are people that don't think it is because they haven't experienced the transformative heart of God. And I don't know. I just if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I'm right, I'm glad I'm right. You know, <clears throat> I. <laughs> I feel like we could keep this thing going on all day because there's I'm just sorry. so much. There's so much. Yeah. No, no, no. This is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, Michelle and I watched Heaven is for Real on uh, Pure Flix the other night. So Pure Flix is like Netflix, but it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So we got we got our subscription to that, and it's pretty awesome. Well, um, uh, Colton Burpo, the the story about the four year old that yeah. that uh, yeah, yeah. had that basically he was having an emergency appendectomy and his appendix burst and it would had been burst, I guess for like a day or two or whatever, when they figured it out what it was, he almost died. And clinically he didn't, but he had a, um, an out of body experience where he went to heaven, met his sister that was basically had, had died ever before he was even born. And Jesus introduced him to his sister and introduced him to his dad's granddad. And some other people that were like, really like his parents, after putting the pieces together, they were like, he really went to heaven. And what's really funny is that his dad's a pastor. And in the beginning, his dad was just kind of like, didn't know if he could believe it or not. It's so powerful. And there's a book written about it. And um, around the time that Colton was like starting to get like reporters calling on him and wanting to like talk about um, Akiana, Mm -hmm. she, she painted this picture of the face of Jesus. And um, Todd Burpo, Colton's dad saw this picture and showed it to Colton and Colton said, yeah, that's him. That's him. That's crazy. And so it's like, you know, there, and, 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 and people are going to like, you know, not like this and be like, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just a, you know, one off, you know, that's just a, you know, whatever thing. But there's so many accounts. There's, there's about, I was watching Lee Strobel's The Case for Heaven the other day. And he said, there's about a one in 12 one one out of twelve people have had a near death experience, or know somebody that has. Let me let's say it like I that. His grandmother's had one. I I mean I'm not going to go too far talking to people yeah. before I talk to someone that's had a near death experience that can talk she about. Would love this. to talk to you, I'm sure. And here's the thing that's awesome about this: yeah. it's like there's so much evidence. If people wanted to dig and actually ask people, it's just so interesting because how do you get? all of the stuff out there to kind of get within the same ballpark of what all these people are seeing. And collusion is one thing. Collusion is when everybody says the exact same mm-hmm. thing. It's not like that. Everyone, yeah, because yeah. we all have a different soul, you know, we, we experience things and they're relatively the same. It's so fascinating. Lee Strobel, man, that, that his, the, he did, he did the case for Christ. He wrote that book and, yeah. you know, he was an award-winning uh, journalist for the Chicago Tribune. And then he got saved. He was an atheist and then did all the research to figure Those out that. Those are amazing transformations. You need to get somebody on here that <laughs> had that transformation. I would love that. And may, maybe one day if we're fortunate enough, we'd be able to get Lee on here. But but, but no, that, but, that, but that's a, to corroborate what you're saying, it is absolutely real. And yeah. there's so much out there for people that have ears to hear and the patience to just look at the facts. Because yeah. 
so many people just don't want to take the time to do it because it makes them uncomfortable because at the more they start to dig, this is just my opinion, but the more they start to dig, they start to realize this is real. And if it is real, they have to change. Yeah. But Hey, thank you so much, JJ, for coming on here. This has just been so awesome. Yeah. 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 Your, 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 your story is awesome. We appreciate you taking the time to share it and be vulnerable and, um, excited about full circle church. And I know we'll have some links in the the bio description below. If you want to learn more about JJ and and full circle church, you can absolutely go there in the show description. I'll end up posting that stuff when the show is live. So with that, we'll see y'all later. Thank you all so much. Great. Great to talk to you, Brent. See a changed community. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome.